We are back with another episode of The Lodges Podcast. This is episode eight. Today, our guest is Joe Armeo. He is the VP of Sports and Entertainment at Iberia Bank in New York City. We chat with Joe about his upbringing and the passion that he had for gaming as he grew up and how that passion is still alive today. We talk about his professional career in banking, uh, the importance of it, and the role that it is going to play in esports, as well as some general esports business conversation. It's a great episode. I hope that you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, you're about to listen to the Lodges podcast. Welcome back, everybody, for another episode of the Lodges podcast. Uh, I am your host, Juan Rodriguez, the founder of Lodges Financial, a business management firm for video game streamers and esport athletes. So we are now on episode eight, um, having a great time. We had our first guest on our last episode, and we have another great guest with us tonight. Um, before we get into the introduction of our guest and diving deep into his story and his profession and everything that he is involved with. Um, we want to have a quick segment. So basically, when I started the guest portion of this and, and bringing professionals on, I had three goals for the podcast. So the first one is for it to be storytelling, uh, which really happens through our guests. And the second one was for it to bring value to you all as listeners. And then the third one is for it to be engaging. So in order to make this a more engaging, podcast and really include not only us on the show, but listeners is that if you leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, um, I had said that I would kind of read those out and give shout outs to whoever was doing that. So we have a couple five-star ratings on iTunes podcast, but we have our first listener that has left a, a text review. So we have from SoFlo Sophia, she says, best esports podcast, she says, provides great information along with helpful tips, great different perspective compared to most of the esports industry. Love the podcast. So, Sophia, thank you. I know you come off of our Instagram community. And so I know who you are. I appreciate you leaving a review and, and a nice text. So anyways, if you guys want to possibly be shouted out on the podcast and me to read your review and rating, leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and you could be on the next episode. So. Without further ado, we're just going to go ahead and jump into episode eight. So our guest on is Joe Armeo. Um, he is the VP of Sports and Entertainment at Iberia Bank. Um, Joe, let me know if I, if I don't get that correct. But so I met Joe uh, through the esports industry and through some mutual friends. But Joe and I actually had the opportunity to uh, meet in New York at the World Cup. So we met at the phase meet and greet and then actually had the opportunity to watch a little bit of the World Cup together. And um, so that's kind of how we met and started a relationship. So, Joe, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, I want to thank you for being my first. You know, I, uh, I haven't been on any podcast before, but I uh, really appreciate you inviting me. I'm excited. No, that's awesome. I'm excited to have yeah. you have you here, too. Um, so, Joe, what we're going to do is let's just jump into you know, who you are, where you're from, your whole background story. Um, I love the storytelling side. So, yeah, so whatever absolutely. you'd like to share. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, you said it correctly. I am uh, a banker. I work for Iberia Bank, uh, essentially in the sports and entertainment division of the bank that goes after, you know, music professionals, uh, sports players, entertainers, things like that. And, you know, esports is an emerging subsection of that group, right? And it is really booming. So, Obviously, the bank and myself want to be in a position where we can, uh, you know, get involved with that, right? right. Um, but in terms of who I am, I mean, I had a fairly normal upbringing. You know, I, uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I was born there, and I spent first seven years of my life living in the city there. Uh, and when I reached around the age of seven, I moved with my family up uh, to a suburbs of New York in Westchester County. And, you know, I grew up in a pretty small 
pretty small town where everyone knew each other. You know, went through middle school and high school. Uh, was a big sports guy. I uh, played a lot of baseball when I was younger. I played, you know, every sport. But really, as I as I grew up, baseball was really where uh, where I shined. What I liked to do, and uh, you know, after going through high school and everything like that. Um, and where'd you go to high school? Sorry, I went. To, I, no, not at all. I went to uh, went to high school in my hometown called Pleasantville High School. Okay. And uh, you know, obviously this is an esports oriented podcast, so uh, obviously video games played a large role in my in my upbringing and how I made my friends and everything like that. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Right. But you know, in 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 an era where you know, video gaming wasn't as accepted as it is now, you know, uh, telling my parents when I grew up, right, that I made friends through the people I met playing video games. It was something that people kind of looked at you sideways uh, when you said that. So now uh, now that that's sort of mainstream, it's really uh, it's really good to see. Definitely. Did you, with the friends that you played with, was that friends from school, teams? Or, yeah, or- yeah, so you know, growing up actually, I, I came from a family that was fairly strict with the television and the video games, right? Like I, I was never allowed a TV in my bedroom, for example, until right. you know I was in high school. And so you know, growing up younger ages, you know, elementary and middle school age, uh, I would always really look forward to going to my friend's house because they would have you know the SNES and the uh, you know all the early systems like the Sega Genesis and I would uh you know always like to go over there and play there cuz that was the only opportunity I got. Right. Um but my parents finally caved and uh, got me a Nintendo 64 which was my first system. I think that was in like 1998 or something like that when I was 11 years old, right? And uh what <laughs> one particular memory that sticks out and I I think about this often especially around the holidays because I remember, and I'm sure you remember this game because it's arguably the greatest game of all time, Zelda Ocarina of Time. Yeah, yeah, definitely play some Zelda. Yeah, and uh, I, I just remember, you know, I was a kid. I was excited. I was, you know, 11, 12 years old or whatever I was. And, um, you know, I remember waking up early on Christmas morning before all my siblings were awake. And, <laughs> my, you know, my mother must have heard me because she came down and, you know, she realized, you know, I was excited for Christmas morning to open my presents and all that. And she gave me the cartridge for Ocarina of Time. She said, you know, all right, I'll give you one of your presents a little early. And I remember playing that from like, you know, whenever I woke up 430 in the morning or something until my siblings woke up. Yeah, you know, that that really sparked it right there. You know, it, it was, you know, it was, it was a good experience all by myself, too. Right. In those days. <laughs> um, That's so funny. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was good. Did and you, as, when, when you were a kid, did, I, don't, I don't know, I kind of, this is how my brothers and I were, uh, when you were younger, was, was video games kind of always like, did you always ask for a new game around Christmas time and that whole sort of thing? Oh my God. Christmas, birthday, you know, yeah. any, any, any occasion. And, you know, I would go into, I forget the name of the game stores back then, like KB games or whatever the, uh, it, it wasn't all GameStop back then. There were a whole different array of them, you know, and you would go in and you would, buy the magazines and see the upcoming games you know before the internet and all that stuff you know that's what uh that's what a lot of me and my friends did uh, you know in the basements on the big box tvs plugging in four controllers playing wave runner or wave race or whatever that game was do you remember that game <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um and yeah so that you know that kind of sparked uh sparked my passion for video games especially you know when i saw how involved socially that they can be you know i i I never understood when my parents would say you know gotta get off the games you're being antisocial it it it, you know that was quite the opposite and listen obviously you have to go outside and you got to play as a kid and i did but i thought uh, there was definitely some value to playing video games uh with your friends certainly a bonding experience no definitely yeah i had two brothers growing up and it was it was the same thing for us when we were younger you know especially I don't know, as a child, I always remember Christmas time, especially. I was just like, oh, I had to have, you know, the newest game, you know, when I was younger, whether that was the Game Boy. And then later on, it was consoles like PS1 and all that. So that's a funny, funny Christmas story you've got. I know. Yeah. I mean, all the good games came out at Christmas time, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's when it all was. Uh, w- 
did you uh i remember running around middle school playing pokemon on the game boy and you know yeah hiding it from teachers and all that stuff pokemon was one of like those series of pokemon games on game boy was by far some of the best like childhood gaming memories i have because i love love playing pokemon yeah it's the the best it's the best (laughs) and uh you know, I know we got off a little bit, but, uh, you know, I, I, I went through high school and, um, you know, I, I went to I went ended up going to college. I went to the University of Scranton, which uh, okay. which I can't recommend enough. I mean, that that place was fantastic. I really enjoyed it and it really taught me a lot. And then I uh, I studied marketing. You know, I was never the guy who, you know, from an early age knew exactly what he wanted to do and, you know that was my trajectory and that's what I went for. I never really knew exactly what I wanted to do for a living, right? And and right. and that was even the case after I graduated. And so, you know, I never really considered banking as a career, but I got hooked up with you know a a guy who was, you know, high up at a bank over in Westchester County where I grew up and he was from my hometown. And he introduced me to uh, a management training program over at a local bank. And, you know, I, I, I went there. I went through it. I, I enjoyed it. And, you know, I stayed at that bank for a few years until I met my current boss and mentor. Uh, and, you know, I've been with Iberia Bank ever since. Awesome. Well, you know, actually, actually that's not true. Uh, I, Iberia Bank acquired the bank that I previously worked for. Uh, when I did meet my current uh, current boss, uh, it was called Gibraltar Private Bank, and that was headquartered out of Coral Gables, Florida, and they had a New York office. And uh, when Iberia, you know, merged with Gibraltar, they kept on the office, kept kept me, kept all the people there. So we were really lucky. But uh, Iberia, you know, treated us, welcomed us. They're I think they're equally as excited to have a New York office as we are to have them. So. Right. No, and that's, that's always good. great when, when a company gets bought out and, and you get to transition into that new company because, you know, a lot of times it could definitely go the other way. Um, For sure. And, and, you know, in the banking industry today, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, but, you know, it's heavily regulated, right? I mean, um, right. you know, the, the Fed regulates us. And, you know, the Bank Secrecy Act is something that, uh, you know, really throws a wrench in, in some things sometimes. But, a bank really needs to be a little larger to afford that cost. I mean, for example, when Gibraltar existed, I think we had around 300 employees and 60 of them were in the compliance department. I know, you know, it's like a huge expense for a small bank. And Gibraltar was, you know, about a, a billion or so in assets. And when Gibraltar, I mean, I'm sorry, when Iberia came along, you know, they're, they're a $30 billion bank. So they're not too big to, you know, lose sight of the client. You know, like some guys, but yeah. uh, they are just big enough to afford the cost of compliance and able to really drive some business. So it, it, we got lucky. No, that's awesome. That's that's a great transition, yeah. especially you know, like you said, coming out of school and being at a bank like that, and then um, you know, getting that transition. Um, so I want to. We are gonna hop into your professional career. Um, and we'll dive a little bit deeper to Iberia for sure. And, and kind of how that, I want to chat even a bit, just kind of what that transition from, from college to the professional space was. Yeah. But before that, let's, let's chat a little bit, a little bit more about gaming. So I know we covered, you know, as a child, some of your childhood memories, some of the systems you played on the games. Um, but I do know from, from meeting you in the relationship we've kind of had that you were a big counter-strike guy. Um, so definitely want to chat a bit about this, especially too, because it definitely is one of the more popular games right now in esports. Um, so a lot of our listeners might might be able to relate to that and, and like to hear a bit about this. Um, so tell us kind of how you first got introduced into Counter Strike. Like what what was the story behind that, or how did how did you get caught in? Yeah, definitely. So you know, uh, as I was growing up and playing the N sixty four, you know, the world evolved, right? And the internet came around and you know, uh, computers were more common in the home, right, for everyone. And uh, my neighbor, uh, who I was very, uh, who I've always been friends with, and still friends, you know, uh, to this day. Um, you know, when I would go over his house and hang out, he introduced me to Counter Strike one day. And um, you know, for those who don't know, Counter Strike uh, has been around in various iterations for you know 20 years now. I think it came out in 
1999, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, so that was, those were the days where, you know, if you had a DSL internet connection, you were the coolest, right? I mean, you know, most people were still dialing up on AOL, but, you know, this kid, uh, my neighbor, he, uh, he had a nice DSL connection even before my family did. And so we would go over and he he would introduce it to me and, and I was immediately hooked. I mean, you know, just the fact that you're playing with a mouse and keyboard as opposed to a controller really, really captured me. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure many of your listeners know that, you know, are familiar with gaming and obviously a mouse and a keyboard is a huge advantage over a controller. It's just so much more versatile. There's so much more room to, you know, aim with your mouse. Obviously, both hands are separate. You know, there are a lot more keys that you can bind and control on the keyboard side. And, you know, for those who don't know, it's generally accepted knowledge that someone who is playing with a mouse and a keyboard has an advantage over someone with a controller. Right. Um, and, you know, that, that was the first thing that drew it to me, drew me to it. And then, then just the gameplay. I mean, you know, it, it, it you know, just like baseball, right? Uh, you know, I grew up liking baseball. I still like baseball. Um, you know, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, what you see on TV, right? You know, a guy throwing a ball to some dude with a round bat who's trying to swing and hit it, right? It's not just, you know, aiming and shooting. There's a lot more to it, and that's really what attracted me to it. Um, you know, these yeah, games it, today – yeah, go ahead. So, no, I, I, sorry, I don't want to interrupt. I want to stop right there real quick, though, because – so we obviously have a lot of gaming listeners, and we might have – um, some li- listeners though that are in the professional space and maybe they're moving into esports and they're new and they're just trying to gather information. So elaborate a little bit more on how you know. I think sometimes people that are new to esports are seeing it and hitting so many headlines. They think, oh, this person's just playing a video game, like it's no big deal. Just like you were saying, you know, someone think it's it's just swinging yeah. a bat, but it's really so much more. Elaborate on how you know there really sure. is so much technical skills behind that. Yeah. Well. You know, just like someone who can throw a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, you know, to keep with the baseball analogies, someone who is a professional at a first-person shooter game like Counter-Strike has the reaction time in the top 0.001% of, you know, you know uh, of people. I mean, to be able to react on a level where these pixels on your screen are just, you know, flying by and you're able to click them with such precision it is a skill that is just as impressive in my opinion as you know being able to you know one-handed catch in the end zone or throw a 95 mile an hour fastball and you know 10 years ago i don't think a lot of people would agree with me but right nowadays it is coming up you know people are starting to see that these games are are take some skill i mean you can't Anyone can't just pick that, pick it up, and and be a professional. You know, these guys are getting so recognized, especially in other countries. I mean, I think in South Korea, these these professionals can't even walk down the street. It's like, uh, you know, it's like Bradley Cooper walking down the street or something. <laughs> like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they're they're full blown celebrities, and uh, they're making money to uh, to boot. I mean, they really are breaking it in i mean we we went to we went to the Fortnite world cup and you know that kid booga took home three million dollars i mean he's 16 years old right right playing Fortnite, it's it's amazing yeah no and you hear his um you know there was a couple articles and videos that came out after after the cup kind of just breaking down what his day-to-day schedule looked like and (laughs) you know it's like some people were amazed that i you know i believe he said at the beginning at one point he was practicing like 14 hours a day and i think that really just took some people by surprise and they don't realize that just like you know this is an area where i think esports professional gaming definitely relates in that just like a professional nba mlb player spends their entire day you know training their body and their mind the, the same has to happen um for an esport player, and I think people are starting to kind of understand that a little bit more now. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it it is it's a job. I mean, you know, I, I gotta wonder. You know, I I still play Counter Strike uh, on a fairly regular basis as much as I can, right? Um, and it's fun to me. But 
I always wonder what it would be like if I had to. You know what I'm saying? Right. If I had to, if I had to play it 14 hours a day, you know, to make my living, would it stay enjoyable? And that's, uh, you know, I, I'm sure it does. I, but 14 hours a day of Fortnite is a lot. Is a lot of Fortnite. And I'll tell you something else. He must have really supportive parents. That kid, because there's yeah. no way mine would have let me do that uh, when I was growing up. Right. No. Same. I would have been like you. Like you touched on earlier, would have been like, all right, you've played for an hour, two hours. Now go outside. Yeah. And, yeah. Which is good. Obviously, like we mentioned, you definitely want um, to still get out and do stuff. But if if you're trying to play it at you know in the top one percent. You definitely have to treat it like a professional career, which it is. Yeah, um, and you know th- these kids actually have ways now to prove to their parents that they're gaining some traction. I mean, all you have to do is turn on a webcam, you know, boot up OBS, and uh, you right. can start streaming on Twitch or Mixer or whatever platform you want. And you can say, "Hey, mom, look, there's a thousand people watching me. They're giving me money." Right. You know, you know what can you, and what can they say to that? Right. No, it's, yeah. it's, you know, the power of social media streaming platforms now. Any kid has the chance. And, you know, if you relate it to pro sports, I think you have an even higher chance of making a name for yourself. You know, whether that's streaming or social media influencer. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, you know, you touched on earlier how you guys used to have the dial up Internet. And it's like now uh, the Internet just gives you access and the opportunity to just do anything, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's so many different types of games. There's, you know, uh, the League of Legends, uh, MOBA type. You know, obviously the first-person shooters is where I, you know, gravitate towards because of you know the technical skills that are involved. But there's there's something for everyone, you know. Right. So right. It, it, it's it's I wouldn't be surprised if you know this continues to grow and surpasses some real sports. I mean, uh, you know, I, I forget the exact statistic and I don't want to, you know, uh, say something incorrect, but I know that the viewership of the League of Legends, the last League of Legends tournaments rivaled that of the Super Bowl. I mean, just to even hear that is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, the headlines you hear, I mean, like that, you know, the Fortnite World Cup and, and dotted to the prize pools from that were like more than, you know, the Masters, the Open, um so yeah i mean it's like 25 million bucks first prize or or, i mean prize pool yeah yeah no it's yeah it's it's more than tiger woods is walking away with (laughs) it really is nuts right right um okay so i know we went down a little little rabbit hole i'm glad we went down that though to to chat a bit um to bring it back to counter-strike so did you ever just our listeners can learn a little bit more about joe did you always just play it kind of at a at a leisure state did you ever try to go like amateur with it and like i, I don't know much about counter-strike so i'm interested to also hear yeah. like i didn't know if they had tournaments or, or how does that landscape look yeah i mean counter-strike uh, as it stands stands today uh the prize pools are much less than that of as you mentioned dota 2 or league of legends but it, it, they're still up there uh and you know obviously i started out just playing in uh my friend's house and then you know i convinced my parents to get me a computer i downloaded it we would play together and uh for those who don't know counter-strike is a a team game uh where two teams of five play against each other um in an objective based gameplay obviously uh you know it's first to 16 rounds or best of 30 rounds and two sides being the counter-terrorists and the terrorists seek to eliminate each other or plant a bomb at one of the bomb sites and then the other team, the counter-terrorists have to, uh, seek to defuse that bomb. Um, and yeah, so, you know, we would, me and my neighbor, my friend, uh, we would, we met some people online and we started to play with them and it slowly became a little bit more than just for fun. And, you know, there were some, definitely some late nights and, uh, some, some, uh, some scolding from my parents, but uh, it became a little competitive, and and I did start to compete a little bit in online leagues. I went to a few uh, local land tournaments in New York City. That's awesome. I never, yeah, I never made uh, any any money or anything like that, but I I, I did okay, and uh, you know I look back fondly on those days, and and you know I still get a a scrimmage together every once in a while for old times' sake. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's cool to hear you kind of went to some land parties, got to experience that. Um, I know that's always a good time. That's cool, though. Yeah, and no, so, I, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. 
No, I was well, just going to say, yeah, the le- the lands is 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 where it's at. I mean, you know, there was a local place. I don't know if anyone listening ever remembers or is or is close to my age, but uh, there was a place uh, downtown in in Manhattan called uh, Web Two Zone. And they would hold some nice uh, local tournaments there, and I was there a few times. And you know, the the community built online, right? Just to start, you know, you would play with guys, and you would see them in the server, you know, more than once, and you would recognize their name, and you would, you know, know who they are, but just by their, you know, their alias online, right? But then when, you know, you'd go to these land t- tournaments, they're like, oh, I'm, you know, so and so, and you'd be like, oh my god, you know, I've been playing with you for years or yeah and it's just it's crazy and i i've met a few people in real life from uh from counter-strike that uh i still i still keep in touch with and i still see today so it's uh it's certainly a social video games are social yeah let's touch on that definitely yeah yeah i mean you know video games bring people together i mean uh you know especially today i mean look at world of warcraft i mean that game has been out since 2004. It's uh, very old, and they just, I'm sure you're aware, re-released the original version of the game and have gotten a skyrocketing amount of numbers and people resubscribing to the game. And you know that that that's the reason I brought it up is because it's a massively multiplayer online game. I mean, right. all you do is interact with people the entire time, and you know there are countless stories of you know. People finding their uh, their spouses from that game and everything like that. So, you know, I think the days of your mother trying to kick you out and having you go outside and calling you antisocial for playing video games in the basement uh, may not be just over yet, but it's getting there. <laughs> no, definitely. And you know, it's funny you touch on um, how you've created some some real life friendships through Counter Strike. So, you know, people you played with, and then you were able to meet in person. And I, I don't remember who specifically it was, but. Uh, I was watching some videos after the the cup where, you know, some of the organizations had players that they were teammates in the organization, but they actually hadn't met yet in person. And so they had that opportunity to do that in New York um, for the cup. So that it's just cool to see stories like that where, you know, you don't know each other at all. You could be on opposite ends of the U.S. um, and just get to finally meet in person and create that friendship online. So I think that's pretty unique um, to gaming. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, you meet somebody and, you know, you already have something in common, right? I mean, it's not ever weird or it's never like a first date or anything like that. You know, you're meeting <laughs> on the pretense that you guys have a mutual interest and, you know, you usually end up getting along, right? I mean, it's uh, it's it's a beautiful thing. Right, right. No, definitely. Cool, cool. Well, that's so cool to hear about, you know, your gaming background, what you grew up playing. Um, I know Counter-Strike was, is, is your favorite and, and your go-to, so it was fun to chat about that a little bit. Um, so I want to now kind of shift us back to where Joe was at. So, you know, you go to school, you graduate college, and so talk a little bit too because, you know, like I said, we have a few different – the age category and the listeners varies. So talk a little sure. bit about that transition from – from college to professional world and that first job, you know, what was that like? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, I graduated university in 2010. Uh, I didn't go into the best job market. And, uh, you know, like I said before, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Right. I mean, I had a, a general business degree with a concentration in marketing and, you know, marketing was something that I just kind of just picked, you know, I was a kid. I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, but right. But, uh, you know, I was looking around and like I said, I got in touch with this with this guy who uh, had a management training program at a bank. And uh, I said, let's 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 give that a shot. And so I did. And I'm glad I did because I I really liked it. And it, it, you know, it taught me about the world of banking and the ins and outs of, uh, you know, how uh, how loans work and how deposits work and all of the, you know, all all of all of those things. And uh you know, I, I worked my way up uh, to a to a branch manager at that bank, and when I met my current uh, boss, he brought me on uh, as a branch manager as well for that Gibraltar, New York office, which is a sort of a position that I still hold, but uh, I'm more concentrated now in the business side of things in terms of bringing in clients, uh, generating business, things of that nature. Right. 
Right. And so how many years have you been now with Iberia? Four years, if you include the Gibraltar, uh, the Gibraltar okay. years, because again, Iberia acquired Gibraltar in March of 2018. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. And so, tell us a little bit more. Um, and, and of course, you know, I know we have to be careful with with certain regulations and things. But as much as you can, kind of elaborate a bit on what does the sports and entertainment um, sector covering of Iberia kind of what does that look yeah. like? Yeah. Yeah. So you know, the bank tries to go after certain sections of, you know, professionals, right? I mean, you know, everyone needs a bank and everyone needs loans. Everyone needs to put their money somewhere, right? And that that's that's all we do, really. But obviously, we're selling ourselves and we're selling us. And, and Iberia Bank has a sports and entertainment division, which uh, concentrates on going after uh, professional athletes, entertainment and music professionals. And what we really pride ourselves on is understanding the unique revenue streams of athletes and entertainers. And um, obviously, esports, like I said before, is a huge, big, and up-and-coming industry that is booming. And uh, we want to be at the forefront of that. And, um, you know, I think as even though it is pl- preliminary, you know, uh, there isn't really a huge set products or anything like that that we have currently but i think one of the biggest things is to go after and partner with business managers like yourself because traditionally entertainers in general whether it be a sports professional or an entertainer or a professional counter-strike player they're usually going to engage business managers to handle their finances you know, uh, tax reporting and everything like that. And obviously, you know about that well. Right. And, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest areas in which we excel, especially here in New York, is to get – is to really go after young prospects who are uh, about to break, you know, guys who just got drafted, uh, whether it be the NBA, NFL, whatever you want to say, you know, because these guys are young and – they don't necessarily know how to manage money, especially when a huge influx comes in like it does uh, for most professional sports players who just get drafted. Right. So, right. you know, I think I think that's really the most important thing is to is to get in with business managers who handle these clients and partner with them so that we can create a situation in which these professional athletes, esports athletes, musicians can uh can have a good situation and basically have uh, their financial life taken care of. Right, right. No, and I, and I think it's important too. You know, when we say that you know a younger player might not have an understanding or anything like that. Of course, it's never, um, you know. And I feel like I've had to be careful. Like this is never like a shot at someone's you know level of education understanding, but it's just simply you know unless you know you grew up with some parents that really taught you the value of a dollar or how money is earned and how money is spent. I feel like. You know, that just overall, you know, in in the U.S. is just an issue where, you know, you and I mean, I can speak for myself that, you know, I had parents that thankfully taught me the value of a dollar, taught me how money was earned. I've always worked since a young age. But, you know, the school system doesn't really teach much uh, on personal finances. Even if you go to college, I mean, it's really only if you take specific classes that are focused on finances or accounting or anything like that. So, like you're saying, it's just so important um, for younger players like that to understand how that income works. And, you know, the thing that I always make comparisons kind of bring it to a level playing field is, you know, you see NFL players that are guys that are young, you know, in their early mid 20s. And they don't, you know, even sometimes struggle with with earning money, how to spend it. And they're in, you know, their 20s. So now, you know, picture a younger individual. Um, and so I just, you know, I always try to elaborate that to be sensitive to where you know someone obviously doesn't think like <laughs> we're just taking a shot or anything like that listen um, i i 100 percent agree i always thought that uh you know i don't understand what these high schools are doing not you know teaching kids how to balance a checkbook and just the fundamental overview of what a credit card is even i mean I, you know i right. and listen i i haven't been in high school for a while I, they may do that now but they didn't when i was there 
you know, yeah, I, and, mean, I, I didn't touch on it much either. So, yeah. And uh, well, why? What are you so, so much younger than me? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I mean, just those couple of years, no, I'm just I just you know, it stayed the I same. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, and especially, you know, a lot, a lot of these kids uh, who, who, you know, are, are going into the uh, being drafted by the NBA or, or the NFL or or the MLB, a lot of these People come from from different countries. Uh, a lot come from families that may not uh, come from many means. So you know, even if even if the school did teach, uh, you know, they see how you know their parents may not have as much knowledge to teach them either. So you know, it also depends on on their upbringing as well. And, and right. you know, that's that's what people like you and people like me are here to do. I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're here to give them lending if they need it. We're here to, you know, get them some nice yield on their deposits and, uh, you know, create a relationship with these people. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about in business. It's all about relationships. Absolutely. I agree that, you know, being not only just the professional services, but like you were saying, the actual, you know, as you're working with them, educating them so that they also just, you know, become more understanding and all of that and, and creating that relationship, like you're saying, I think is, is really important. Yeah, I mean, there are countless, uh, countless examples of people getting famous, getting a lot of money, and uh, they're broke. They're broke a year later. Uh, so that's that's what we don't want to happen. Something I do want to touch on is when did? Because you know, I know we got connected um, a couple of months ago. Yeah. And you guys, you know, Iberia already had their eyes set on esports, and it was kind of something that you know, you having your your gaming background and passion. For, um, I think you were kind of on that team. So what did or when and why did Iberia kind of see the opportunity like, OK, maybe this whole esports thing is something to chase? Because, you know, you guys, I think yeah. in comparison, were a little bit ahead of it. Others still are even tentative to move into it. So what what was your guys perspective? on Yeah. That? And, you know, to be on it, to be very frank, I think uh, whoever's not in it now is late. I mean, it's already huge. But but, right. um, you know, I, I think it it got to the head of our sports and entertainment division um, through some, I think he honestly, he just stumbled across some article. I think about how Ohio state or one of those colleges is building out their own college esports team and they're building facilities yes. with computers and everything like that. And, and, you know, he started to look into it and, and he realized the, you know, we're missing out on a whole, whole lot of, a whole lot of kids with a whole lot of money, right? Who can, uh, you know, help the bank out and we can help them out. And, um, you know, uh, that, that sort of was relayed over to our office here in New York. And, uh, you know, I was just sort of laying dormant, right? I, I don't think anyone knew that I was a video game nerd, you know? Uh, <laughs> but, but when it was mentioned, I sort of kind of said, Hey, listen, you know, I kind of know about this stuff. I mean, you ever heard of a professional video game streamer you, and no one had heard of it? And have you ever heard of esports teams like these huge multi-million dollar organizations that sponsor kids to fly all over the world to compete in various video games for money? And they all looked at me like, you know, no, I don't. Like you were crazy or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm dealing with a, a little bit older people here, so it, it's fairly – it's understandable. But, uh, you know, they, they said, let's – let's try and get in on this. And, you know, since you, Joe, meaning me understand the, uh, the way these kids and these players make money, you know, you should, uh, you should look into doing this and, and, you know, kind of run with it, make it your baby. And that's what I'm trying to do. Juan. I mean, you know, uh, that's why I came on and that's, I'm just trying to build a business and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to sort of get, get your, get your name in front of, uh, in front of these guys. But I think, like I said, the main thing is to get with people like yourself who have uh, business management, uh, involvement with esports professionals and take it from there. Right, right. No. And, and you know, I want to touch on that. It's funny because, you know, you speak about how, you know, you had this, this knowledge, understanding, and just background of you grew up with this, you understand it, you followed it. And, you know, yesterday, actually, Tampa down here had an esports summit at the University of South Florida. And one of the individuals that works for the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, the NHL team down here, he was on stage and he was actually speaking about how when the Bolts, um, uh, you know, the Lightning, when they moved yeah. into the esports space, uh, they started moving into it. 
and all of a sudden they found out that they had someone on their team that was an ex League of Legends player. And so oh my God. all yeah, of a sudden, yeah, yeah. kind of like you, he was like, oh, I know about this. Like, I can yeah. definitely help. Um, well, so you know, the, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I completely agree. I mean, the world's, you know, the worlds of sports and the world of esports mesh more than some people may know. I mean, you know, for example, Rick Fox, who is, uh, you know, a retired basketball player, right? you know, owns Echo Fox, which is a huge esports fan franchise. Um, and Trevor, they've had their lawsuits and issues right now, which I don't know yeah, if you've seen much. Of yeah, you know what? I, you know what? That's interesting. I haven't. I'm going to have to look that up. But yeah, uh, it's in a mess right now. Oh, no, that's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, go my ahead. God. All right. Well, well I was going <laughs> to just cite another example. Uh, Trevor May uh, is a pitcher for the Minnesota Twins. He streams on Twitch with the likes of, you know, Tim the Tapman and Ninja all the time. Yes. Um, you know, and then just Ninja Ninja in general, I think, is something that is worth talking about because, you know, he may have single-handedly, with the help of Drake, and I'll mention why, uh, has have has really brought gaming to the mainstream. I mean, he's almost a household name. I've been, he's been on Jimmy Fallon a few times, and you know, he did the New Year's Eve, you know, Rock and Eve or whatever that that is right. on TV. I mean, he's a full blown celebrity, and right. uh, you know, it, it it's good because it really brings esports into a state where people think it's legitimate. And I think that's what was always holding it back, right? I mean, people, you know, they thought, oh, it's video games, but right. it's 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 real now, you know. Uh, there's there's something to practicing video games eight hours a day if you seriously have what it takes to potentially become a professional. You can make a living and a good one. Right, right. No, I think the pop culture effect he's had, and you know. You speak about his career and, you know, in my opinion, I think a lot of people like maybe yourself would agree in the spaces, you know, some kids or, or parents or other people that I think are just watching too much from the outside, just jump in the conversation. They're like, oh, well, you know, Ninja didn't win the Fortnite World Cup, so he's not really as great as he is. And I think that people understand that the whole Ninja effect is, you know, he was at one point, you know, one of the better top five Fortnite players, but that's not the role that he has played in taking esports and video games just to the next level both culturally accepted um you know like you're saying the movement between pop culture within drake and with juju i mean the effect that he's had um just to be accepted is really just what i see and like you're saying he, he's trying to become the celebrity um in esports i know his wife's talked about how they want him to get into hollywood so it's just his story is truly unique and i think really cool um yeah to see I I 100% agree, and you know, I don't. The people who are hating on him and saying, "Oh, he he sucks at Fortnite now" and all this stuff, I, I mean, he the guy's a celebrity now. He doesn't have time to play eight hours a day. He doesn't have time to keep his skills up. I mean, he's on planes making appearances, doing this and that. I I mean, you know, I I, I don't really follow. He's a mogul. Him. Yeah, exactly, e exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I don't really follow him too much in terms of watching streams, but uh, I don't think he streams as nearly as much as he used to because yeah, you're you know, he's got to, he's got to do a celebrity thing, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and even with as much, cause I mean, if you follow him on, on social media, you see all the travel he does, even with all of that, he is still not, maybe not in the top 1%. Or I don't know. I'd still say maybe it's, you know, up there. So it's crazy. Just, um, his talent and an ability to just be a businessman. I think that's where he's really impressed me. And I think that's where he's really impressed the world is that, you know, someone who's had this whole gaming career is becoming quite the overall business individual. Um, you know, maybe like the kind of likes you see from LeBron where, you know, LeBron is obviously a top player of all time, but his yeah. business strategy and building his brand is just at another level. Yeah, um, definitely. Okay. So I know we got, Again, a little sidetrack, but I'm, I'm loving these conversations. But let's bring it back a little bit um, to, to Iberia and banking yeah. a little bit. So to provide – definitely want to provide a bit of value to um, our listeners. And for those that might be younger, just um, just a general question for you maybe so that they have a better understanding of, of how banks might play a role in this. What role does a bank play um, 
and you know it doesn't have to be esports specifically because I know you guys are are building that out like like you were talking about. But what is the importance of a bank um, playing? You know, we might have an example in in the sports and entertainment section for a professional. Why is it important? Um, and why do you kind of have to be careful in, in, in picking one? Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said before, everyone needs a bank, and although all banks aren't created equal, you're really you really want to build a relationship with the individual, and that's how I try and spe- you know talk to my clients. You know, I, I I'm selling myself, not necessarily the bank, and the fact that I have a good solid banking institution behind me is is great but without without me without the relationship person you know they could just go to go down the street go to chase go to wherever and and it wouldn't matter but uh the banker plays the role that you're describing i think not necessarily the bank itself and that's not to say that Iberia isn't a great institution. It is fantastic, but you know you, you really need to represent them well yourself, or else you know you, you're playing in a in a in a pond with a whole ton of fish. I right. Mean, uh, there's there's a lot of banks out there, and you have to set yourself apart somehow. Um, but you know what set what sets an actual bank apart, uh, leaving aside me uh, or any banker for that matter, is you know the stability of the bank, the size of the institution, and, and then a, then after that, what sort of niches do they serve? You know, some banks, uh, you know, for example, won't do construction loans, and other banks specialize in them. And you know, will we will loan, you know, make loans to up and coming players who, uh, you know, may have just got drafted and and you know need a little money just to move to the United States from wherever they are to come play before they get their paycheck where, you know, some banks may not do that, that sort of thing. I mean, you know, there are, there are flexibilities in banks that some have and some don't. And I think that plays a, a role as well. But again, I think the most important thing is who your banker is. Right. No, that, that was, that was an awesome answer. Uh, honestly, I think that will provide a lot of value to someone that maybe doesn't understand um, the role that a bank can play, or, or the importance of, like you're saying, that personal relationship. Yeah, for um, sure. Uh, sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but you know, no, most, most people don't, you know, especially, you know, uh, the average Joe who who's young who just needs a bank. You know, I, I I would recommend to them choose whatever bank you want, but just you know choose the person who at that bank who who really makes you feel at home, who you who you really trust, because. You know, it's your money, and as long as you have a sturdy bank, your money's not going to go anywhere. But uh, you know, if you ever need advice, or you're in a bind, or you ever need any any kind of uh, you know special treatment, find someone who will do that to you. Because you know, as as time goes on and as technology gets better and better, you know, the the need for walking in. I mean, walking into a bank nowadays. When's the last time you did that? I mean, it's it's just. Right. It's not needed anymore. You know, everything can be done online. Everything can be done over the phone. But, uh, you know, if you do have any irregular needs or any or you think you'll ever have any irregular banking needs in the future, it's good to have someone in your corner. Right. Right. Absolutely. No, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in, 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 you know, in life and in business. It's, it's all about relationships, it's all about how comfortable do you feel with that person? How authentic are they? Because, um, you know. There's a lot of great people in the world, and I think there's obviously always more good people than bad. But you definitely got to make sure you know you pick the right relationship, and like you were saying, someone who you feel like you can trust. Because at the end of the day, it's it's that individual's money, and um, so you definitely want a strong relationship and to build a relationship with that person. Yeah. Um, here's a question I have for you, and and this might be one of the last ones as far as from the banking side, and sure, and, and let me know if you can touch on this or not. But so, and this might be. Let's just, let's just go for it. So how do you think, and you know, we, when we were at the Fortnite World Cup, for example, we saw that that event was put on with absolutely no sponsors. I was um, going to mention that. It's funny you brought that up. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, which, which you know, both of us kind of understand the business side a little bit more. We're, we're sitting there in amazement that, you know, I mean, for those that didn't attend, just a quick 20-second description, I mean, 
all the games they had, all the places you could take pictures with characters, the zip line. I mean, the whole venue was put on by Epic. So there was basically no sponsors that were putting money forth to help financially support that. Um, so two-part question here for you. One, how do you, and it doesn't have to be a Fortnite specifically, that was just an example, but how do you continue to see and where do you think brands will continue to come into the gaming space? And then my second is, um, does Iberia, you know, is that something that you guys are looking for to become a sponsor for gaming events and maybe that be a way to also get your foot in the door? Um, or what does that look like right now? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I can't really speak to the plans of the bank because, you know, uh, that is a little bit above my pay grade, so to speak. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but, you know, I certainly hope that we will invest some time and some money into, uh, seeing where we can inch our way into this because like I said before you know we need to put our our, our our face in front of gamers we need to put our face in front of these sports franchises you know otherwise you know they won't know who we are right but uh, but yeah like you said that that fortnite tournament it, it blew me away and for the listeners you know it was at Arthur Ashe Stadium uh, in Flushing Queens which is where the US Open was played and you know, this is an indoor-outdoor venue, and it had multiple carnival-type games outside, like, you know, people in costumes, everything. And, and there wasn't a Budweiser sign. There wasn't a WB Mason sign. There wasn't any of that stuff, None, nothing in sight. It was all epic. And uh, it just goes to show how much money they, they really have brought in from Fortnite alone. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. But – you know, uh, brands will will come into the gaming space to answer your question, just as they do in, in in sports. I mean, I I foresee a day where you know esports organizations will have the money to build their own stadiums, and then you'll see sponsors on the wall like you see at Yankee Stadium, and you'll see uh, you know sponsored concession stands and things of that nature, and uh, you know. Brands sponsoring esports organizations like, you know, uh, the official beer of, you know, I don't want to say Echo Fox because apparently they're they came, water, they actually but. came out with an official gaming beer the other day. I forgot who yeah. it was. But yeah, yeah. So, so it's just going to happen naturally, just like it, it does with with any other industry. I mean, if there's money to be made and there's exposure to be had, there's going to be uh, there's going to be some business happening. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, both of us would be privileged to be on the forefront end of that. Yeah. And it's already starting. I mean, you know, you I don't know how much uh how how much you watch on on Twitch in terms of uh, esports tournaments, but uh you know, at least for Counter-Strike and I, I know some League of Legends and Dota, there are there are sponsors listed at the bottom. And you know, a lot of the sponsors now are are gaming companies, you know, uh, companies that make peripherals for the computer such as keyboard, mouse, gaming headsets, etc. So you're like you know, endemic your endemic sponsors for right i mean right. they're involved in the gaming industry but uh once this becomes a little bit more mainstream and the ninja effect so to speak kind of happens on an industry uh on an industry level i think we're going to start to see real uh real sponsors yeah yeah no and i, I mean some that that i've seen and i don't know how familiar you are with these but that it's funny to see them come in like i know honda is a big time sponsor um I yeah. believe it was Capital One, or, or I forget which credit card it was that came in. Um, and, and, you know, there's so many, or not so many, but there are a lot coming in that I've seen on headlines and I've shared. And it's just, it's interesting to see how, um, you know, last year I've heard some people speak of there was a few brands that have come in. And then now as time has gone on, more more continue to come in and kind of buy into the whole model. Um, Definitely. I mean, it's, so it's like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, so. I didn't even know Honda and, and Capital One were in. I mean, those are two gigantic brands. It made me think um, of Team Liquid, which uh, I'm sure you've heard of. It's a large esports organization in the U.S. They, you know, sponsor teams for many different games. I right. know for at least their Counter Strike team, uh, they they all wear all the players wear the Avengers symbol on their uh, on their jerseys. They're the officially sponsored by the Avengers, whatever that means. So I guess Disney is involved at some in some capacity at this point. Right, right. Yeah, no, and I, I cannot remember if it was Capital One Chase, but I do know a credit card bank came in. I know that Honda is definitely a sponsor that's come in. Um, and there's there's so many like th that I see. So it's just it's cool to see that. Um, 
And so, you know, hopefully we'll continue. We'll start to see financial institutions come into it. Um, and, you know, maybe there are some out there that you and I maybe they aren't coming to our head. Um, but it's it's cool to see them, these brands start to come into the space. Yeah, um, all right, Joe. Well, as we start to wind down the the episode, this has been fun. I've had a great time. Yeah, me too, Juan. Thanks again. Yeah, yeah. So what we have or, or what I'm doing with each guest at the end of the podcast is just kind of it's a lightning round. So right now I'm calling it the Lodges Light Seven. Um, I don't know if that name will stay, uh, but it's what it's called right now. All right. So these are just seven questions for our audience um, to learn a little bit more about <laughs> Joe, and they're just kind of random fun things, so they don't require um, any any hard thought. Uh, so we'll just kind of hop into it. So let's do it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the first one is. If you are about to take a flight, what snack are you grabbing before you board? Beef jerky, man. Beef jerky. <laughs> my, last, my last guest, uh, he said beef jerky too. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I promise that's funny. I didn't copy him. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's just ironic. That's funny. Yeah. Um, okay. Second one is if you could be the host of any TV show, so like you know, a, a game show host, uh, which would it be? That's a good question. I, I'm going to say, I'm gonna say uh, deal or no deal. Okay. Okay. I like I'm that. On. I like that show, and uh, you know the uh, the the nice ladies who uh, open the cases aren't bad either. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. Actually, I like that one. Um, all right. If you could pick anybody to hang out with for one day, uh, who would you choose? Oh my God. Uh, that that that's that that's a good one. It's not Ninja. I'll tell you that much. I'm gonna say The Rock, man. The Rock. Okay. He has some serious energy. I'd love to uh, lift some weights with that guy and uh, see what he's all about. Oh, I would, I would love <laughs> to pick his brain and just yeah, hang yeah, out me with too. him. <laughs> that guy is just a force. Yeah, no, great, great pick. Okay. Um, covering – so this one's interesting. Uh, this, this one probably will require the most thought out of all these questions. But covering any sport, who would be on your Mount Rushmore? So if you're drawing a blank, four names. Four names of any sports. Yeah, wow. who's, who's your Mount Rushmore? Yeah, Derek Jeter. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Michael Jordan. Nice. Wayne Gretzky, because uh, you got to throw some hockey in there, especially some New York hockey. There you go. And, um, I mean, i got to go an old Yankee. i got to say Mickey Mantle. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Nice. There you guys have it. There's Joe's Mount Rushmore. <laughs> um, all right. This one's simple. Are you a cat or dog person? I'm a dog person, and uh, I don't want to hear anything else about cats. That's that's all I want to say. That's, that's Joe. It. Joe, I have a cat. Well, I, well, I, I don't mean to offend, but no, I'm not. I'm not a cat person. Listen, I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to run away from them. In fact, my parents have a cat, but uh, I I much prefer. Uh, the companionship of a dog, I guess. No, say. definitely. They act like your best friend, um, for sure. I grew up with dogs. I just yeah, have cats. A cat cats now. have an attitude, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My <laughs> wife, my wife uh, had the control on that one, so. <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Next question. If you could ask God one question, uh, what would it be? Wow. And you thought my sports Mount Rushmore was going to require thought. <laughs> this was deep too, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I would ask him if the, if the world is ever going to truly be at peace. Okay. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Joe going a little deep there. I like that. Yeah. Well, it's a deep question. You, yeah. know, you gotta, uh, but yeah, I don't know if I'd like the answer. So it's, it's tough, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, last one for you. If you could be the star of any movie, so like, uh, you know, if you watch a movie, the John star. Wick, John Wick, I'd John Wick, John Wick. That's it. There you go. Yeah. There you go. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Do you like those movies? I do. I do. Yeah, I do. those are fantastic. Well, there you have it, guys. So we got the Lodge's Light Seven with Joe to to have a little fun with him and, and learn a little bit more about him. So, Joe, I just want to really thank you again for for coming on. I know we've been chatting about this for a while, so I'm glad that you know we were able to make it happen and to have you come on and, and share your personal story, your, your gaming stories, um, a little bit about the banking industry and esports in general. Um, it was, I had a lot of fun with you. I know you definitely provided some value information for everybody. So I just definitely want to thank you uh, for coming on. 
You're welcome, Juan. I had a wonder. I had a great time, man. And uh, let's do it again. Let's do it again. This was good. And uh, you know, to anyone listening who who needs any uh, any banking service, you know, I'll give Juan my contact information. Maybe you could put it in the description of the podcast. And uh, you know. Yeah, What's no, that? actually, that's so that's one of the questions that is there anywhere they can find you on social media or what is the best way to contact you? I definitely want to do this. Yeah, one, I I, I'd lo- yeah, listen, I'd love to. I think the best way is just by email. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of finishing up my LinkedIn at the moment and uh, everything else is sort of uh, on a personal level. Right. So, yeah, but it, it, my my email address is simply Joseph period Armeo at IberiaBank.com, And my last name is spelled A.R.M.A.O. There you go. There you go. That's perfect, Joe. Thank you. Thank you for letting him have that. Um, again, thank you for coming on. I think it's so important um, to have professionals that are working in the esports space come on and you know not only share their professional career but uh, their personal life as well and their story. So again, thank you, Joe. And, and I had a good time with it. Me too, Juan. Thanks again. All right, guys. Well, you just listened to episode eight of the Lodges podcast. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will see you next time. What's up, guys? Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this. You can find us on social media at Lodges underscore financial. Please go check out our social pages where you can find lots of other great content committed to gaming and esports. This is also the best place to be kept up to date with everything going on at Lodges. Thanks, and you were just listening to The Lodges Podcast.